Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 14, Episode Number 46. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Wednesday, Steelers Nation. Dave, a lot of Mike Tomlin, a lot of George Pickens talk today. And as we said before we got on the call here, as we began the call, it's a hot take Wednesday. <laughs> Apparently a lot of hot takes rolling around the internet today. Yeah, I'm sure that's already been hot take Wednesday. I'm, I'm sure we're not the first to uh, to to come up with that. But a lot of uh, as I DM'd you right before we got on here, uh, a juicy Wednesday uh, uh, kind of starting off with a lot of a lot of hot takes flying around uh, coming out of uh, the press conference yesterday that Mike Tomlin uh, gave and really overall was what it, it, it wasn't that long of a pod, pod I mean, a podcast, uh, uh, press conference overall, but, uh, I think we got a lot of things to talk about today. Overall, Mike Tomlin was as the kids say in his bag in that mm-hmm. Tuesday press conference, he was definitely feeling uh, like his usual Mike Tomlin self. So where to begin here, Dave, um, should we start with the brief injury overlook or dive right into George Pickens or play the Richard Mendenhall greatest hits uh, dealer's choice to you. Ah, uh, yeah. Let's get all the injury stuff okay. and stuff related to the, uh, the Packers game and, and kind of his recap of, uh, you know, what he said about who, who might be in or out at, 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 at right tackle and, and those kind of things. Let's, let's, let's clear sure. that off the slate. Okay. Injury standpoint. He says, I mean, if it's Patrick with the hamstring is improving said they could look at him at the later stages, the latter stages of this week. So that door is ajar. I'm guessing my interpretation, probably not this week, but the fact that he's not being ruled out on a Tuesday press conference, a good sign for his uh, progression and overall, you know, getting back to this team sooner than later. Montrevious Adams with the uh, ankle injury will be monitored throughout the week. We'll see what that status is on the first injury report that'll drop later on Wednesday. Cole Holcomb confirmed by Mike Tomlin out for the season. Am I missing anything else big from the injury standpoint? Uh, bumps and bruises associated with play. Uh, right. we'll, we'll see who those people are and see if there's any 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 anybody that has a contusion of the birth certificates uh, to start the week. I'm sure there might be a couple of those. There are probably going to be about six or seven names on the on the Wednesday injury report, I would guess. Uh, look, I've got a, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm a Twitter doctor. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not, I'm not a very good, I, 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 I could be accused of malpractice probably quite a bit, uh, when it comes to that, just the way he talking about Minka, the way he went down and, uh, and, and, and all like that, I, I would guess, and I've been wrong with these before. I would guess that he's not going to play against green Bay. And look, I mean, you, my feeling is, do you, do you want to rushing back to a later part of the week kind of scenario? Because, you know, after green Bay, you've got two division games coming up against, uh, Cleveland and Cincinnati. And man, you sure do want Mika on the field for both of those. And look, every game is important. I get all that. I think they can beat, uh, green Bay without Minka per se, or ho- hopefully that doesn't come back to bite me, uh, in, 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 in the butt there. But, uh, uh, if I were to have to guess right now, I, I would say Minka's not going to play against the Packers with hopefully the eye being on him returning against the Browns the following week. 
Yeah, that sounds about right. So that's the injury standpoint. Again, first injury report will drop later today. Maybe maybe by the time people listen to this podcast, we would uh, come back Friday, have a better picture of where things stand. Should note, Steelers' big announcement at 3 p.m. yesterday was they will wear their throwback uh, uniforms against Green Bay, the, the block lettering, the block numbering. They are 3-0 all-time, or at least in terms of the throwback variation, 3-0 all-time, wearing those last worn last year on Christmas Eve to beat the Raiders. So that'll be uh, a fun experience there. We'll see if the color rushes show up this year, maybe for that Patriots game you were talking about. That probably feels like ideal color rush game. Uh, look, we got some trends to work with here. Three and O uh, Steelers three and O in the, uh, in, in the throwback throwback uh, block number boy, say that uh, real quick, <laughs> several, several times uh, throwback block uh, jerseys. Uh, and, Found this yesterday. Uh, the Steelers are five and zero oh, uh, in their last five games against the Packers. Played in games played in Pittsburgh. You have to go all the way back to 1970 uh, for the last time the Packers beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh. That was Bart Starr versus Terry Bradshaw. Uh, Terry Bradshaw's rookie season, and I think that was. Uh, one of the, I think that was the, the last season that Bart Starr played, if I'm, I'm, I'm not mistaken there. Uh, but uh, five and zero against the Packers in the last five games and games played in Pittsburgh, and three and zero for the Steelers in the throw throwback block jersey. Uh, so we, we're playing with some trends this week. And let's hope Kenny Pickett has a better game than Bradshaw did that day. It was a loss for the Steelers. Bradshaw completed three passes for 110 yards and a touchdown, but four interceptions. So more interceptions than completions. And yet they went for the three completions went for a buck 10 and a touchdown, but hopefully a better stat line for Kenny Pickett. I'll take a wild guess and say it will be against Green Bay this weekend. And correct me if I'm wrong, that was the Bradshaw. uh, At the time, it became like the second longest play from uh, second or third longest play from scrimmage for the Steelers at the time, I think in that 1970 game to uh, the tight end, Dave uh, oh, Smith. Dave yeah, Smith. yeah, Dave Smith. Uh, well, we're, we've written about that play quite a few times, I think, <laughs> over the years when we've recapped longest plays uh, from 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 scrimmage. So one of those plays was was a long one there uh, to uh, to Dave Smith. So, yeah, I'm going to go out on the limb and say Kenny Pickett has more than three completions in the, uh, <laughs> Uh, in this game. Let's hope so. All right, Dave, the other big thing from the Mike Tomlin press conference, who will be the team starting right tackle? Mike Tomlin, not explicitly saying that, but says they're going to take another look at Broderick Jones. My guess is you can reliably interpret that meaning that Jones will start at right tackle this weekend, but Tomlin did not confirm that. He says they'll work things out in practice this week. Um, we'll see, but I think Broderick Jones will be starting somewhere, and I'll guess it'll be at right tackle. Yeah, uh, he stopped short of just guaranteeing it. But it, uh, if you read through the context of the way he said it, uh, it sure feels like uh, Broderick Jones is going to start at right tackle. And the, and the depth chart has an or in it. Broderick Jones listed first ahead of Chiquamo Core Four, but with an with with an or in it, uh, that that at least leaves the door open. Everything that Mike Tomlin said along with the depth chart, not that you read too much into that weekly depth chart, but uh, it leaves the door slightly ajar for him to go the other way. But I, I, I think it would take 
Broderick Jones having a miserable week of practice for him not to start at right tackle. And Mike Tomlin explained, you know, that uh, he thought Broderick Jones played very well in that game against the Titans. And, and, and I certainly agree with that. I know you do as well too. And mm-hmm. some of the things that we talked about of, of what was impressive uh, with, with, with Broderick Jones, him, him get the way he got off the line in that game uh, and, and, and getting to the second level was, was really impressive. You really saw a burst in there, something that you don't see from Chiquama core for and, uh, Mike Tomlin confirmed that, that that was one of the positives that stuck out with Broderick Jones was just getting to that second level. And uh, the running game came alive in that game against the Titans. And that was something else that Mike Tomlin mm-hmm. highlighted uh, as a positive. And the byproduct of that was you know, keeping to some degree Derrick Henry off the field and not letting Derrick Henry do Derrick Henry things uh, against you, even though he almost did. I think he did a great breakdown. People need to jump over to SteedersDepot.com and, and see that saved uh, touchdown tackle uh, that, that that happened during that game. But uh, long story short, yeah, I, 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 another thing I would bet would be that uh, uh, Broderick Jones starts at right tackle. Yeah, it, it's hard to bench that guy when you ran for a buck sixty-six and had one of your better offensive performances. Still a lot of meat left on that bone, missed opportunities, but running the ball certainly your best output of the season. Jones was a big part of that. So it's an expensive right tackle you have on the bench in Shakuma Core for, but it's the right decision to me to start Broderick Jones. And, and and some people wonder, you know, could Dan Moore move over to right tackle or you know move these guys around? And Mike Tomlin said that Dan Moore is significantly better on the left side than the right side. So he's really a left tackle only. Yeah. What do you take about that quote? That's kind of un-Tomlin-esque to to, to a degree, to to be that kind of definitive. And it's a positive take with a, it's a backhanded compliment to, to, to some degree, I guess. It's probably just the truth. I mean, they've tried more a little bit at right tackle. I think his rookie year, whenever you know Bannon was trying to work his way back, Core Four was working at left tackle, and then they did it at right tackle in camp a little bit this year when Jones would get the occasional first team reps. But you know, Moore's been a left tackle throughout his career. I think he's referenced that Jones is better at right tackle. Remember that week that Core Four was in concussion protocol, and they had Jones at right tackle, and Moore said, you know, Jones is a better athlete over there. He's more comfortable there. So, you know, I've, I was skeptical of how well Jones would look at right tackle. It, I was pleasantly surprised with how well he played in that game with basically one day of practice to shift over like that. But I think when you're an athlete and you're just the talent that he is and nothing seems to bother Broderick Jones. I don't know if that's his personality all the time, but certainly whenever he talks to the media and just based on his, his output, his play, this dude just says, okay, where am I playing? What am I playing? All right, I'll go in there and play well. So that's the mark of a guy that might have something, something special to watch. Just point me in the right direction and let, wind me up and let me go. Yeah. Uh, Alex Kazora, if you will please pull out your crystal pebble. <laughs> See what I did there? Hey, yo. <laughs> hey, yo. Uh, pull out your crystal uh, pebble and uh, look into it and tell me what you see as far as week one, 2024 starting tackles. That's a great question. Man, you know, I would have said a couple of weeks ago, Roderick Jones at left tackle without really any hesitation or reservation. Now, I'm really not sure which way this thing's going to go. I think it's pretty confident that Chuck Wumakorfor probably will not be a Steeler in 2024, but that's not actually answering your question. Man, I really don't know. Um, that's a tough one, isn't it? it yeah, I mean, my crystal pebble's pretty cloudy right now. I mean, I guess if you just had to ask me right in this instance, 
and this is very much subject to subject to uh, to change. But I'll say Dan Dan Moore at left tackle and Broderick Jones at right tackle. Yeah, it's hard uh, hard hard not to look it look that way. And and you know, will they draft? Will they draft another tackle in this draft, or will a guy like Dylan Cook or or, or, or Spencer Anderson play into this? any at some point i mean uh we got a long time to to work out work out that cloudiness in your crystal pebble but uh that's kind of my i i don't know why i think about that kind of stuff that far in <laughs> advance but uh but anyway uh just something to think about i think i mean i just i i get the desire to replace Stan Moore at left tackle, but how do you get that guy? They're not going to go spend eighty million on a franchise left tackle, or an Orlando Brown type of contract. And will they be in position to draft somebody that high? You know, to trade up the way that they did, they, they just did. I think they're going to look at other needs, center, corner in the first round. I don't know if they're going to go back to back tackle. So it's possible, but I just think the construction probably leans towards Moore and Jones being the guys. And what if uh, from this point forward in the season, Broderick Jones just you know, uh, ends up being your best offensive lineman at right tackle, which is not out of the question. Sure. He probably just stays there at right tackle then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Speaking of pebbles and shoes and all that kind of stuff, it, it took a while for Mike Tomlin to be asked about George Pickens and it probably was intentional from the reporters because Tomlin's response was pretty terse, pretty don't ask me about it. And Blame the media for focusing too much on reality TV of a dude's social media and Mike Tomlin saying the pickings, whatever you want to call it, decisions, antics, scrubbing, removing temporarily, archiving uh, his Instagram and, and removing some of those Steelers photos. Tomlin called it a pebble in his shoe and a non-issue. I don't know about you, Dave. Pebble in my shoe is pretty annoying. <laughs> I don't know how Tomlin walks around, but. What were your thoughts on what Tomlin had to say? Now, wait a minute. Now, I isn't this to some degree what I what I essentially said the other day that obviously has gotten taken out of context by several of the listeners. Uh, I, it, it probably came off more shake my fist at, at, at the cloud, uh, here in this situation. In so many words, my, my thoughts were that this there's smoke, you know, there's some smoke here, uh, and you don't want it to lead to a fire. All right. Uh, this is a pebble that you don't want to grow into a boulder, right? Use whatever analogy uh, that you want to use here. And, and I, I'm getting the sense that a lot of listeners took this because we looked into the crystal or I looked into the crystal ball and said, what does this mean about a second contract and all uh, for, 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 for George Pickens and all like that? Uh, throw, throw all that out. You know, my main takeaway, he's an extremely talented kid. I mean, there's no doubt about it, but you don't want this kind of thing to be where we're talking about it every three or four weeks or, or, or something like that. No, I don't think that what George Pickens has done uh, so far uh, is anywhere close to what and, and, and you know, an Antonio Brown did, uh, 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 you know, in his later years there. Nowhere close to that. It's just that it's things like this that hopefully early on in, in a player's career that that you kind of and look, Mike Tomlin did a fantastic job all those years managing Antonio Brown. Right. For, oh, for, yeah. for more was, than we probably know. Right. And, but even so it was, how often was it a talking point that we talked about on the podcast 
or wrote about or or this kind of thing. Those things at some point become distractions, like it or not, no matter how the, the coaches handle it, right? And my main takeaway is that, yes, this is a pebble in the shoe right now. Is it huge? No. It's a minor, minor irritation. But the way Mike Tomlin kind of downplayed it, you know, we'll see, you know, hopefully, hopefully it just remains a pebble in the shoe or, or, or you're able to, you know, uh, uh, minimize the pebble, grind it up a little bit, you know, but let's just, my, my main takeaway is what I said the other day is, is there's some smoke there. You don't want this to go into any kind of a raging fire or any kind of a flame up that happens every three or four weeks because he gets three catches for, for, for 18 yards or, 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 and, and doesn't score those kind of things. And, you know, I respect Mike Tomlin saying what he said, but we, we do live in a, in an age now where we monitor the social media accounts for this kind of, for, for all kind of stuff, positive and negative. And mm-hmm. anytime he does anything similar to like this moving forward, Mike Tomlin can say, you guys follow it like a reality. The NFL is a huge reality show. It's the biggest tw- one on the it, planet. It's 24 seven, every aspect of it. The I'm sitting here watching get up on my TV, uh, right, right now. Uh, you, all these things are, are become shoot offs of everything else. The games in and of itself is a reality show. The press conferences, uh, everything related to it is a giant show. That's why these guys make the money that they do. It's why these coaches make money that they, that they do is what keeps fans involved in it. The NFL loves this because it keeps us, you and I sitting on in front of the damn computer for 20 hours a day. Right. So, sure. I mean, yeah, we're going to treat it like a reality show. And yeah, we're going to write about some things that, 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 that some people listen and talk about things that some people say, y'all just fan in the flames. Y'all like controversy. That's, that's what this whole show is about, you know? And do we overreact to some things? Yes. Do we underreact to some things? Yes. But it is a reality show. The biggest one. In all the sports in all of America, really, the, the the difference, I think, between our conversation and Tomlin is Tomlin called it a non-issue. A, would you call it a non-issue? And B, do you believe Tomlin when he calls it a non-issue? Uh, it It's no, it's not a non-issue because it, it's become such a huge talking point now. Blame it on whoever you want to blame it on. Blame it on us bloggers. Blame it on on media. Blame blame it on whatever. But uh, it's become a talking point that here we are again in another show talking about Mike Thomas' response to it. Uh, it is I I it is just a pebble right now. Is that is that the question that you're asking me? I was asking I, about the non-issue comment. Do you believe that Tomlin believes it's a non-issue? Partially, what it I is, think is a pebble in. Is a pebble in, do you notice a pebble in your shoe? I do personally. I, I, what I Tomlin's do too. In, I, take, in, I take my shoe yeah, off right away right. and get that pebble out of there. I don't leave it in there. Tomlin's overall point was to downplay this and blame it as a media created story and essentially say that he pays no mind to whatever George Pickens did on social media. That's his takeaway is he's, he's basically trying to downplay it as much as humanly possible. 
Right? Somebody retweeted something yesterday that Mike Tomlin, uh, and I, I, you know, it, it's so minuscule. I don't even remember what D'Angelo Williams said at the time. Uh, Me neither. Uh, something about stop while you're behind or something like that. I, I, I didn't, I didn't have time to even research what it was, but uh, evidently D'Angelo Williams got into something on social media. Mike Tomlin chastised him on Twitter. You know, mm. uh, I don't, I can't for the world of me remember what that was, Alex, but, uh, look, uh, I understand him downplaying it, especially with a young player like this. You don't want this to become the story the rest of the week and, and mm-hmm. interrupt it because Mike Tomlin went on to say our preparation. He, he wanted to get this out of the way. So hopefully it's moved on. So George Pickens can personally, and the rest of the team can focus on the task at hand, which is the Green Bay Packers. Exactly. I think, well, I don't think Tomlin is losing sleep over it. I think he intentionally came out incredibly strongly against the idea of it being a story or an issue intentionally to try to, to not fan the media flames and make this more of a story than it already is and to downplay it publicly as much as possible to try to take some of the heat off of George Pickens. So I think that was more of a media-crafted answer maybe Tomlin's reality. And I don't think he cares too much about the social media aspect, but I think he's certainly aware of Pickens' frustration and wants to try to get a handle on that. As basically Allen Robinson admitted, and so they've talked to Pickens a lot about these, this kind of stuff. So I think Tomlin intentionally came out against it a bit stronger to try to tamp down the story. Right. And it, I imagine George Pickens is frustrated. Yes, I think that's the one thing we can all agree upon. And Mike Tomlin also later on in uh, in uh, his talk talked about, uh, you know, about uh, how how do you balance? Let's see uh, what he was asked about all the coverage that uh, Pickens gets or all the attention that uh, where was the answer on that? I'm looking through the transcript right now. Uh, It was, I think, prior to him calling it a non-issue and pebble and shoes. I want to say, uh, but in so many words, look, you know, opposing teams are doing their best right now to take uh, 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 George Pickens away. And that's leading to opportunities for, for Deontay Johnson. Was there some sort of message in there directly to, to George Pickens that, Hey, look, you know, there's going to be games where teams try to take, take you away, but see in the same breath, he, you know, he has said, yeah, absolutely. We need to try to get George Pickens the ball more. So what kind of mixed signals does George Pickens get when, and in, 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 in one response, Mike Tomlin's saying, look, there's going to be games where they try to take you away and the ball's going to go other areas. But in other instances, he's saying, yeah, we got to get the ball to George Moore. Yeah, I think it depends on Pickens' mood or what he's feeling. I think maybe after a tough game where Pickens didn't get the ball that much, you have that conversation and say, hey, you're opening up chances for other guys. We ran for a buck 66 and our offense had some movement and you were a part of that. And then when you go into games, you sit there and say, okay, let's find ways to get Pickens the ball, not, not use a double team for an excuse. I kind of, the only commentary I really have to that is I was think about you know when Deontay came back Tomlin said that's gonna take so much pressure off of George and then he goes back and says well Pickens is still getting doubled and you know that kind of stuff but um the the exact quote that I have here is that uh, and so when he's getting that type of attention a guy like Deontay is going to have an opportunity to have uh, volume catches you're going to have an opportunity to have a light box and your run game is going to have an opportunity to be effective for example and so man we appreciate his talents we respect what people do 
to minimize his talents, but we function as a collective. And he goes on to basically say uh, the same. So still saying the Pickens is providing value, even if he's not providing the stats. Look, I, I, I wouldn't want that job. <laughs> the, the 50 it's more than 53 men in a locker room it's like what uh practice squad and ir guys i mean you're 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 up you're close to 80 you know guys mm-hmm. in the locker room and everybody's gonna have different uh uh characteristics to them and 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 how they deal with things and it's a it's a giant juggling act uh for sure uh if you're if you're what do you envision having had happen with Mike Tomlin and, and George Pickens behind, behind closed doors? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know how much of a conversation there was with Tomlin and Pickens, maybe something. I wonder how much he left that to a guy like Allen Robinson to try to talk to him. Maybe it's better from a player message than a coach message. And Robinson seemed to speak to that and talk about some of the conversations he's had and he's had in the past with Pickens about putting the team first. And sometimes the ball doesn't go your way and, and that whole thing. So I, I don't really know for sure what Tomlin has specifically said to George. I don't know if they've really had a real long heart to heart, but it sounds like somebody has and you know, hopefully that'll help. Do you like the way Mike Tomlin handled that yesterday? Yeah, I have, I have no, no big issue with that. Uh, do you like the kind of the tone though that he used? I, I think a lot of uh, you know a lot of the media most definitely ha- have uh, have issue with 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 kind of how he the tone I guess that he used. Yeah, it was aggressive. Um, but that that's Tomlin whenever he wants to shut some something down. Whenever he wins and is kind of dealing from a position of power, then you kind of see him have that edge a bit more. So uh, it was pretty aggressive, but. I, again, I think Tomlin really wanted to try to shut this down as much as possible to to try to minimize how much of a story this can be. And so the headline now becomes less about George Pickens and social media and Tomlin saying, hey, guys, shut up about George Pickens and social media. He's he's trying to now take the narrative and, and control the the headline of the story to diffuse the, the uh, situation. All right. What do you think about what Gerald McCoy had to say on Good Morning Football uh, this morning? We don't have the post up. It should be up here here pretty soon. But uh, Gerald, former NFL player, Gerald McCoy is on on on, on Good Morning Football uh, this morning and had 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 an interesting response. Yeah. Let me see if I have the actual quote in front of me. It's going to be up on the site by the time people listen to this. Uh, what does he say here? Uh, Quote, hey, listen, coach, I love you, but this is 2023 and the generation has changed. These kids use social social media to send messages and let's not act. Uh, he could act like it's not a big deal, but there was a guy that played for Coach Tomlin, pretty good receiver. It goes on to refer to Antonio Brown, how that, you know, Pebble became a boulder. Yeah, I mean, again, I think it's something that has to be to be not just brushed aside and and discussed with George Pickens. But as I said on Monday's show, I, I think, you know, it's not the end of the world. And if the worst thing that George Pickens does is be a little pouty on the sideline and take down some Instagram photos, I can work around that. All right. Can you, can you work around that every three weeks? Well, no, that's why you want to talk to him and still address it. But I'm just saying, I mean, I think we've seen, you know, far worse happen with, you know, past receivers like Antonio Brown. Look, I, once again, let, let me reiterate. I, I, at the end of the season, no, I'm not saying the Steelers need to trade 
George Pickens away or, or run him out of town or anything like that. Uh, I do agree. Put whatever analogy that you want to put on this, a pebble, smoke, whatever. I, yeah, I think it's a pebble in the shoe right now. I just don't want this to be a thing that every three weeks we're talking about because, you know, it, 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 it's going to be talked about and mm-hmm. those those things usually grow and will it will it ever go into the magnitude of, of of an antonio brown god you sure hope not because that was that got that that got pretty pretty you know that was a raging fire there near the end so my concern is just man uh, hopefully he can get through to him and the other players in the locker room and this not become an every two or three week thing, you know, maybe it's a, you know, once every or twice a year type of thing, because these guys are going to get upset that they're not getting the ball. He, this guy wants and Mike Tom put it right. This guy wants to contribute to the win. And that's why he gets frustrated like this, but there is a balance that he's going to have to learn that, not every game is he going to put up 100 yards and in, and in, and in, in, in a touchdown and make the phenomenal catch. At least you don't think so. I mean, every week it seemed like every week there, every game we were talking about Antonio Brown doing something that was just hard to we're running out of words to describe. Right, and Pickens is in an offense that was not like the offense AB was in that was prolific and pass happy and had a Hall of Fame quarterback throwing those passes to you. So Pickens has to understand he's playing in an offense that's you know one of the weaker passing games in football, and sometimes your stat line is going to reflect that. So again, something I think that has to be talked about internally. I think Tomlin's approach is I don't want to make this a media story. I don't want to have this thing be external. It could be a distraction or just the story of the week for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But just also recognizing that Pickens is a second-year guy. He's 22 years old. He's dealing with a lot of things he's not had to deal with before in terms of attention and scrutiny and DB's trying to you know prod him and piss him off and all that kind of stuff. So just just have a little bit of grace and recognize it's a 22-year-old second-year guy, you know, trying to figure stuff out, and that's gonna there's gonna be some trial and error along the way. All right, and, and I, I you know I think it's I think it's a pebble in the shoe. Okay, so fair enough, and I mean, we'll see if George Pickens talks, and we'll see what happens with uh, other player reaction, and should get some of that here uh, later today. All right, how, do you, how, how do you think Pickens is going to answer the question? Uh, people are reading too much into it. And y'all, y'all blue. I was just rearranging my social media, and probably. I mean, a will he talk? I'm not even sure if he has the obligation to speak this week. Maybe at some point. I don't know what the media rules are for for some of these guys. Um, yeah, I think ideally someone tells, you know, Pickens, what else is there to say other than that? I mean, is he going to sit there and talk about his frustration and make this a whole story again? Hopefully he, I think he's, um, hopefully will be a bit wiser than that. Like to see him go out and get a hundred yards and two touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, that'll, that'll be a good way to end this story. If he can produce and if this team can win. Right. All right, Dave, what else from Mike Tomlin's Pick press it. conference? Pick, Pick it. it. Yes. I mean, it really I, I get the answer, and it was a good answer from Tomlin, but every week Mike Tomlin gets asked about, why is Kenny Pickett so good in the fourth quarter, and why is Kenny Pickett so bad in the first three quarters? And I, I don't know how many ways to wrote to answer that at this point. Tomlin calling Pickett awesome in the fourth quarter and then joking that we'll work on the other three. I'm not sure what, what is there still to be said about this discussion and Pickett's kind of crazy splits that he has. I, I think the main thing is how he initially answered the question. Why didn't you ant? You know, why didn't you ask it with a positive first? I guess uh, in so many words, he's saying, "Why are you focusing on the negative and 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 not the positive?" Kinda, yeah, I think kinda, it was a little, I think it was pers- pursuit of that he was 
that that asked that question if, if memory serves me but uh uh, look, I mean, that uh, one of the redeeming qualities that we talked about with, 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 with Pickett the other day was, you know, say what you will about the first three quarters or four, fourth quarters, you know, he, you keep him close in ball games. He's pulled him out. So, yeah, he has. So, uh, you know, that's, you can't shy. You, you can't, you, you can't talk about the first three quarters without talking about what he's done in the fourth quarter. Sure. He's been one of the NFL's best quarterbacks in the fourth quarter, uh, statistically speaking. So, I mean, there's no doubt about that. The question is, you know, can you rely upon that model of playing so mediocre in the first three quarters and expect to keep the score down and win these close games when you're going to, you know, eventually face some potent offenses and hopefully get into the playoffs and, probably have to win some games scoring more than 17, 20 points. So that's the the bigger picture question, but there really is no great answer to how to make Kenny Pickett better in the first three quarters. There is no magic wand you can wave or some secret or some door they haven't explored because if they're, if that existed, they'd be doing it. Pickett just has to play better. They have to execute. The run game has to be more consistent overall on the season. If those things happen, then hopefully the results will come. All right, as we talked about in our pre-podcast uh, uh, developmental meeting this morning. Yes, the two hours we spent. Right, uh, which actually we didn't. I'm, I'm hitting, I'm going to hit Alex with something off, off the cuff here to try to get, and I don't know what made me think about this uh, earlier this morning, but uh, it's why I wanted to get to, to talk a little bit about uh, uh, Pickett today and what, what Mike Tomlin said. Gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit you with something here. Okay. It, is Kenny Pickett Trent Dilfer? <laughs> Ooh, talk about hot take Wednesday. Um, no, I wouldn't it, call him. I wouldn't call him Trent Dilfer. He's above uh, that. And the reason I'm going there is because Trent Dilfer never statistically was a was a you know we'll, we'll go down in the annals of being a great quarterback, but Trent Dilfer did win a Super Bowl, Alex. Yeah, so did that Ravens defense. I mean, all that's right. the whole kind of kind of joke right. there is that that was the, one of the greatest defenses of all time that was the catalyst to that Super Bowl. And Trent Dilfer through the you know, uh, through that actually through the 2000 Trent Dilfer came in in 1994. He played a long time, played through uh, through 2007, but for the meat of his career, uh, which was 1994 through let's call it 2001 his first season in Seattle uh Trent Dilfer was 46 53 and 43 as a as a quarterback record and he was in a few playoff games. Most of those obviously coming with the year in in in, in Baltimore. A few others, I think, with, with with Tampa Bay. But he won a share of games, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and and he won a Super Bowl. Now, obviously, the year you know going back two thousand. Geez, that's twenty three years ago now. The game obviously has changed, uh, and and it'd be interesting to go back and look at some of the adjusted net yards for passing attempt numbers for some of the top ten quarterbacks in 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 that you know year or that era, if you will. But teams won with Trent Dilfer. Sure, 
I, I, I just think Kenny Pickett is capable of doing more than what Trent Dilfer was. I think Dilfer really had to be carried, and I think Pickett's going to need to have a really strong roster around him and probably a little bit of luck along the way, but I think Pickett's able to do more when you talk about the fourth quarter comebacks and the heroics late in games. I don't remember Dilfer's career that in depth. I don't know what he did or did not do in the fourth quarter, but I imagine he probably didn't have some of the productivity late that Kenny Pickett has had. In his second season with Tampa Bay, he had three game winning drives, one fourth quarter comeback in his third season. He had three game winning drives, three fourth quarter comebacks, uh, even in his fourth season for, for, and long story short for his career, he had 14 fourth quarter comebacks and 15 game winning drives. Okay. Now, not all of those are created equally, so I don't know. Sure. The, the, I mean, you, you could hand there's, the ball off. For an there's a lot touchdown. of context, right? Yeah, so I, I don't know for sure on that. So I, I'm not saying that 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 he is him. It's just kind of the first thing that popped in my head uh, this morning when you because I, I thought, you know, can you win? Can can a quarterback like Kenny Pickett win? And the answer is yes. But there are so far things that need to happen for Kenny Pickett to win. You need to get him to the fourth quarter in a close game. First and foremost. Sure. That's been the way this team has won the last two years. And the other thing, I mean, that, that I thought about is Trent Dilfer is a Super Bowl winning quarterback, like it or not. Would you rather be uh, known as a, as a, you know, would, what would Dan Marino trade for a Super Bowl trophy? Yeah, probably a lot of stats. I mean, that's that's the goal when you play in the NFL, and especially when you're a quarterback and you're so defined by Super Bowls, you always want to win a ring. So you go down in history. So I think you give up a lot to, to be known for that. I mean, what would Dan Marino give up to have one have have that one Super Bowl trophy of, of, of Trent Dilfer? You know that Trent Dilfer has, and a lot of people will. You know, obviously Trent Dilfer will get lost in the annals, but he won't get lost in the fact that he. That he won a Super Bowl. Sure. Yeah. I mean, again, you go down in history for that. So that's the goal of every quarterback. You would think you would hope is to go win a Super Bowl. It's certainly Kenny Pickett's goal. Now, obviously, you you know, it's still early in, in Kenny Pickett's career, and you would hope that that, you know, he's more than a Trent Dilfer, obviously, in 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 performance. But uh I don't know. I just just a name that I thought about that I thought I'd throw at you this morning for for conversation. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, again, my concern with Pickett that we had on Monday was, you know, can he be a, a, a decent quarterback that'll have a high floor for you and get you into the playoffs or be in the mix? Sure. I think absolutely he can be. But can he go toe to toe with those top quarterbacks and win a Super Bowl? That's uh, I'm far less sure of. And so there's that quarterback purgatory of being a decent team, but never a great team where you're going to compete for a Super Bowl and never a terrible team where you're going to say, we got to move on, move on from this guy. So that's just my concern about where this thing is headed. But again, we're still watching. We're still evaluating. I'm not concluding anything on Kenny Pickett in this instance. We still have a season to play and we'll see what happens. Uh, he's got six touchdown passes so far through eight games. How many will he throw in the final nine? I don't know. Probably, you know, a similar number, hopefully a bit more you can get to 10. I think maybe you take that. Okay, so you don't think he'll hit 20? Because I, I think, didn't I put him, what was the over-under number we were dealing with, 18 and a half? I believe it was 18 and a half, yeah, and I thought he would get around 20 to 21 this year. Uh, He would need to really double his output 
obviously from right now in the final nine games to hit at least 18, you know, uh, mm-hmm. to wins to, to, will he need to throw more than 10 more touchdowns for the Steelers to make the playoffs? No, I don't think he has to. They're five and three and he's thrown six and eight games. I mean, just the model suggests they don't have to. The schedule does look a bit quote unquote easier. Not mad if he does, unless it's garbage time catch up type stuff. But no, I think the last two years have shown this team does not have to throw many passing touchdowns to win games. All right. It will be interesting, as we said in that show the other day, to draw the line in the sand right now and and, and look at uh, what he's able to do in, in these final nine versus the versus a first eight. Sure. All right. Mike Tomlin kind of putting a bow on the presser. Let me go back through and see if he had anything else to say. Um, so talk about the inside linebacker rotation being much less of a rotation. Now that Cole Holcomb is out really hinted that Mark Robinson probably will have a role, but not to the degree of the three man rotation they had before of Holcomb, Alexander and Roberts. So it's going to basically be Alexander and Roberts being the guys the rest of the way. Right, and he called it kind of a luxury what they have had up until this point with uh, with Holcomb and 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 Roberts and 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 Alexander. So, and he went on to describe it more as a traditional uh, rotation between those other two. And as as we kind of said the other day about Mark Robinson, I, I would expect him to get on the field in some situations, but barring injury, it's probably not going to be as much as a lot of fans and listeners would like it to be. Yeah, I think we're talking five or so snaps a game and against some of those more 11 personnel personality teams like a Cincinnati you're going to see maybe nothing from Mark Robinson so I think it's certainly a big loss I think Pittsburgh as you said as Tomlin mentioned they really enjoyed that three-man rotation the differences a skill set that Alexander and Holcomb and Roberts all had you know Roberts could really kind of play a, a narrow package and base and and nickel, you kind of worry about him in coverage and going backwards. You're able to kind of shield him from that before. So I think this loss is going to have some domino effects for this defense. And I think coming out of locker room this morning is kind of the word that Quan's going to get the green dot. Yeah, which is no surprise. I mean, he's going to be every down guy. He's your best athlete. This guy can still run. I watched mm-hmm. him carry Traylon Burks on the left sideline late in that game. They got him bumped out on Hopkins for a little cover two. Like he's a corner trying to disrupt the route there. And again, he was a green dot guy in Tampa Bay, highly experienced dude. So. Uh, no issues there. They can win without Cole Holcomb on, on defense, but it, it 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 is a loss the way he was playing in, in those first eight games. Mm-hmm. The good news is if Pittsburgh's D-line can kick butt the way they kicked the Titans butt, I thought, in that game, then you're going to feel the loss of Holcomb a bit less because I thought that you know getting Cam back obviously was huge and, and Benton was great. I thought Okunjobi played well. So that D-line, if they can be stout, it's going to make those backers look better. I agree. If your Russian coverage, you know, if, if the whole thing can can come to be, come together, uh, look the 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 overarching end result to the first eight games when it comes to this defense is statistically not great when it comes to explosive plays and 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 and, and run defense and all like that. But the the, you know, the the main takeaway is they kept the score down on the scoreboard and. Even without Holcomb, and let's assume that they get Minka back to 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 you know at least starting in the game against the Browns, uh, Cam Hayward back off his injury and 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 ramping up. Uh, it even without Holcomb, it feels like we should see a better, even statistical 
result from this defense than we saw from the first eight games. Sure. If the run defense can really keep a lid on things and when Minka comes back, hopefully in the box less often, allow him to kind of be more traditional Minka. There's, you know, Pittsburgh for the last 50 years has been built. It all starts with the run defense. Everything is built off of that. And they've been a strong run defense for 45 of those 50 years. Essentially it's waned in recent years in part due to injuries up front this year to cam. So Cam coming back obviously has a big kind of down downfield effect, literally and figuratively, on the rest of this defense. And both your edge guys are playing really well, and you know even your backup edge guys coming in are playing well with with with, with Golden and Herbig. Uh, you've got Joey Porter Jr. on the field now. You hope to get um, uh, Minka back in this thing. So it will be disappointing if we're talking about. You know, at the end of this season, man, where where did why didn't the defense get better? Why did it go in the wrong direction? You know, you still want to keep the score down, and and that's the goal in this thing. And it feels like they, in other words, I think we're set up to have Kenny Pickett have many more opportunities for some fourth quarter heroics. Sure, I mean, Pittsburgh's model, I think, is in line with what the roster looks like and getting stronger defensively. And you had the good advanced stat; they're what defensively ninth in EPA, which is a a better number than I would have sure. expected. Sure. It's, 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 it's very, and even their adjusted net yards for passing attempt number. Is it, uh, is it all the, you know, all that bad and it's under six, right? We talk all the time, mm-hmm. you know, keep, keep it under that. Uh, the key thing is they, they have gotten key takeaways at just the right yes. moments. You know, uh, I, you want to put, I don't, that's not the, kind of thing that i don't think that you can rely on being sustainable you know uh but i mean they are going to have turnovers you would think moving forward it's just are they going to come in some of those key moments Mm -hmm. like they've they've come you know down in the red zone and 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 those kind of things so uh uh, i think overall you know uh moving past this this holcomb injury is that they're still in good shape overall and i would expect I would expect us to be even talking more positive about this defense in these next, well, definitely these next four games, you would hope, because you got two division games in there uh, for sure. Uh, that, that we're, you know, that those, even the advanced analytics and the explosive plays and stuff like that will look even better here soon. That Bengals game, though, will be key because that Bengals offense is humming right now. Burrow's healthy. They got Chase out there. They got Higgins making plays. That offense has come alive. And so that's going to be a good litmus test. If, if Pittsburgh's defense can do two things the rest of the way in terms of what they've on, on top of what they've already done, improve this run defense, which they should with Cam back and not allow so many big plays, you're going to have a really, really strong defense, a top seven type defense in football. Um, right now, they're a defense that is created a lot of big plays and they've allowed a lot of big plays. So you're trying to balance that more in the create big plays without allowing the big plays scale. Um, that's what they have to do the rest of the season. I, I agree. Speaking of, you said Cam Hayward on the sideline. One guy who will be on the sideline again this weekend is Matt Canada. Mike Tomlin confirming that Canada will remain on the sideline as he did against Tennessee. He said he liked the results of that. It got good reviews. I don't know if you go to Yelp for that or where you go for reviews of Matt Canada, but the players seemed to like it. The results I thought were encouraging. So no surprise there that Canada will remain on the grass this weekend. Yeah, don't run around trying to fix things that aren't broke. 
Yeah. And, and again, it, I, it, it, it is broken to some degree still offensively, obviously, but uh, the offense looked, you know, from a play calling perspective. Uh, and, you know, I thought he made some good points. He's down there. He gets more of the face to face communication, uh, all, all that, you know, uh, the, the by the byproduct from what happened against the Titans is positive. The reviews were good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and there was an encouraging play calling, and I don't think that's totally because Canada's on the sideline, but I think there's just small benefits that hopefully add up when you can communicate with the whole group. There's you know, nonverbal, you know, body language and contact, and um, just I think it's just better from a communication standpoint. So I prefer to have my coordinators on the sideline right there with those guys. Sure. What else from Tomlin? There was one other thing I think I wanted to mention. Let's oh, see. Oh, the Joey, Joey Porter thing. Was that it? The I was going to mention well, that, yeah, that and Keanu Benton. But yeah, poor, uh, Tomlin trying to downplay a bit of the Porter traveling on D-Hop. Talked about how it actually produced less responsibility on Porter to tackle by traveling D-Hop because the Titans would run the ball away from Hopkins. They, their screen game was away from Hopkins. That's probably true to an extent, but... I'm, I'm going to choose to ignore that and just say that Porter, you know, was there to lock down Hopkins and he did. And that, that's kind of the, the thing that mattered the most. I don't think we're going to see a lot of that moving forward into the season, but I think there will be other games where it does happen. When depending, depending on, on the opponent, you know, you got, uh, you got Amari Cooper coming up, right? right? You've got I was gonna uh, ask, Cooper and chase. Does he travel on those guys? I think it's a, I think it's a great possibility. And and who do you pick with the poison when it comes to the Bengals? With I mean, uh, T, uh, uh, and you know, T T T can get his. T Higgins with the Bengals can get his too. You know, and here's the thing about will he even see Chase? That's another element of of the thing. Chase uh, banged that backup pretty pretty good in that game. You you know, it's it's still a couple of games away. I. It's going to be interesting to see if, if, if Jamar Chase plays in this next game. Uh, and then if he if he does it, you know, how much does that impact that next game? You know, I think he'll play. I, I don't know the situation too, too well, but I, I'm sure that back is hurting because he fell hard on it. But I think he's going to play. And yeah, Higgins is a, is a really talented guy, but it's Chase. Chase is their bread and butter. He's their number one dude. So if you're going to if you're going to travel anybody, you're traveling with Jamar Chase. What about Amari Cooper? What are, are you going to, especially with them not having uh, Chubb and, mm-hmm. and those kind of things? Would you could, I would, would would you consider traveling with 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 Amari? I would. I would. The only concern with Amari is that he's a really good route runner, and some of the underneath stuff. I wonder if Porter's going to match that fluidity. You know, Hopkins doesn't really have the the legs anymore. He's kind of a real physical contested type of dude, which is more in Porter's wheelhouse. And so I think Cooper is going to provide actually in some sense a tougher matchup because Cooper can get open. He's a really fluid route runner um, at the break point. And, and you just wonder if Porter's going to have maybe some trouble matching up against that. All right. And with the Packers this coming week, we, you know, we'll, we'll preview that more in the la- later in the week here, but uh, you know, they've got a decent uh, receiving core over there, but it, but it doesn't scream one guy that we we've, we've got to travel around with. Yeah. I mean, there's some, you know, Freak shows there. Christian Watson's one of those dudes, you know, height, weight, speed type of guy. It's a young offense, Dave. It's a, it's like the Steelers my, last year. My, All my those, boy Romeo Dubs over there, uh, and obviously, Reed. and Reed. You know, we talked a lot about him in the pre-draft process. Mike Tomlin gave him a lot of flowers yesterday. Mm-hmm. 
called him the best interior receiver of that draft class. I don't know if they included Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jordan Addison is part of that, but uh, yeah, high praise for them. And you got Wicks. I mean, all those guys are 24 years old or younger. It's a really young offense overall, but yeah, they don't have the uh, number one dude that the Bengals and the Browns have. So I'm not sure if traveling will happen in this game or not. All right. So we're in agreement that we're not going to see it every week, but we'll probably see it in some games moving forward with, with, with Porter. Yeah, I think so. I want to mention Keanu Benton as well. Mike Tomlin talked him up, Dave. I, I watching the tape. I thought Benton, I don't know what PFF was grading him so poorly for. He had a great game. He was everywhere. Pass rush, effort, run defense, hold, holding the point of attack. That That's a big game for Keanu Benton. And I, I praise Montrevious Adams, and I've kind of, you know, uh, not been as concerned about the lack of snaps, quote unquote, for Keanu Benton. But watching him in this one, I think you got to start Benton. Like, this is your guy. I mean, this this is a dude of the present and of the future. Man, that one clip that I posted of him just plugging it, man, just dropping yeah. anchor with with uh, with two guys on him and still somewhat getting into the final element of of of, of the tackle there. Uh, because look, he's got a great club, he's got a great arm over. He's going to he's going to find more ways to eventually win in the pass rush game, I think. Uh, and one of the things that we talked about. Uh, one of the concerns coming out with him coming out was the balance thing. And he seems to have already climbed a good part of that mountain now with, with, and, with overcoming that. And just run defense and double teams. That was kind of my concern. And he's, as you pointed out, I think is handling those a lot better. So I, I think he just has to develop a bull, a bull rush. His bull has to be right. better. We he's flashed it. I know that was that there was that one long arm against I think the Raiders. It was we collapsed the pocket, but I want to see that bull be more effective. It's going to open up the club and the swim more often and play off of that well. So that's the one thing I want to see from Benton going forward. He's got the he's got the ability to do those, and I think as time goes on and him learning learning and studying the tape of these opposing guys, he'll learn how to set these things up better and when to utilize some of these other moves. Uh, right now, I mean, you, there's no denying the, the hips is something we've, we've talked about him uh, able to get through you know, some of these double teams and all like that. Uh, the club, I mean, you see, you can see the club and, and the swim a uh, couple of times a game within that. Uh, and I'm with you. I, I think the only thing, one of the things that he needs to do moving forward is develop more of a pass rush game overall. Mm -hmm. And I think that will come based on what we've seen so far. I think yeah. it's just, I mean, the fact that he plugged the way that he did in on that one play against the Titans, uh, you, you need guys that aren't going to get turned out like that. That allows your, your linebackers and all to eat more, stay cleaner. And, and it just, it helps the defense obviously all the way around when you're able to take on two guys like that, just drop the anchor on it and still manage to get an arm in on, on the final play. Right. Exactly. It, it is tough for your linebackers, no matter how good they are to play good run defense if the nose tackles in their lap, you know, if the guards are carrying the nose tackle to, to you, it, it's just tough to play run defense that way. They, those guys need to work clean and have vision on the football and be able to, uh, to be able to shoot gaps and, and make the play. So Benton, I, I know we're pretty early still into this thing, but I think Benton's something pretty special. Dave. Yeah. And look, and we have, you know, uh, I wondered if Montrevious Adams was going to make this 53 uh, uh, way back 
uh, I eventually put him on there, but uh, kind of begrudgingly, if you will. Uh, I think he's played very, very well, especially with the get off and, and, and the pass rush game. But where he where he struggles is some of the areas that 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 Benton's coming alive in. Yeah, that, that's a great point. I think Adams, the double teams will give him some some trouble. Uh, Benton seems to be really improving there. Mm-hmm. All right, Dave, anything else? Anything else from Tomlin? Anything else from, I guess, well, should we mention the Richard Mendenhall thing? That's maybe a bit of a story of the day. I mean, it, it's nothing new, Mendenhall, on the Raw Room podcast. It's super long episode. They had part one last week, part two went up this morning, and just more criticism of Ben for not being blamed enough for the Super Bowl loss, saying that if he's the leader, if he's the guy that gets the credit in the Super Bowl victories, he should get more of the blame in the losses, and there should be less heat on Mendenhall for his fumble. It's not new ground. It's not new territory. This thing comes up every year or so. I'm not sure. You know, it, it just seems to be like clockwork. Like, uh, like he's, you know, he's going to see. Time. He knows he's going to see that clip of the of the fumble with the Packers game uh, uh, this week. Maybe he's trying to get out uh, out out, <laughs> out in front of it. Maybe Mike Tomlin needs to send him a tweet. Say, "Stop while you're behind." <laughs> right, uh, right, exactly. Uh, at, at this point, look, that guy's never going to, you know. The best way for him to pro- approach it moving forward is just say, look, it, it happened. I'm sorry it happened. Uh, it's just one of the things that I that I hate that I'm known for right now and just try to move move past it that way instead of trying to point the finger somewhere else. Yeah, and I mean, he, you know, Mendenhall was trying to say he's not trying to put this all on Ben and some of this maybe is outside of Ben's control. It's more the media perception and the fan perception attacking him as opposed to Ben. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what else there really is to, to go over at this point, but just stop talking about it. I think maybe it's the best advice to give to Richard Mendenhall. He's made it a talking point. Yeah, he has. And so have we now by by extension. Mm-hmm. All right, Dave, uh, any reader emails here to close out today's show? Unless there's anything else that you wanted to, to get to. I'm sure we have a few in here left over. What the uh, Monday response was, I don't yeah. know. Should be interesting. We'll see maybe some good, maybe some some angry people let's see if i can get this to load real quick here something's going on with my email um but yeah we'll have the injury report today and uh, come back for the friday show hopefully have a packers beat writer i think we do have one lined up so if all goes planned then we'll have a packers guy to talk about that game sunday one o'clock all right edward arnold good morning dave and alex do you think the running back usage last week against the titans is the way the offense can oh that's another thing that mike tomlin said uh uh, about the he was asked about the running back usage. Uh, our, uh, Edward writes, I think combined they had over 30 touches with Najee getting slightly more than half of them. It seems like Najee gets stronger as the game goes on and can handle a large number of touches every week. While Warren excels as a change of pace guy, it was nice to see Najee get some receptions and third down plays to throw off the scent of hey diddle diddle Najee up the middle. Do you think Warren would have as much success if uh, if Najee had to sit out? a game or multiple games. It does seem like Warren is pretty slow getting up off the ground late in games. Najee and Warren could be the new D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan. He has Jonathan Stewart here. I think he's thinking about, uh, who's he thinking about? Uh, well, I mean, D will and Stewart in Carolina, but I mean, in Pittsburgh, there was Bell oh, okay. and well for, for that time. Okay, ten full hat seems like a lot of ticky tack penalties lately. Lately against the team, is that a combination of Tomlin wanting to say "whoa" instead of "sick" them? Yeah, it's hard to you know p- penalties. 
And look, you got two teams, I think, that's been penalized quite a bit <laughs> coming up <laughs> in the Packers and the, and the Steelers. So make sure to, uh, to get your bathroom usage done before <laughs> kickoff. Uh, there could make for a long, long first quarter in this game. Uh, go over what Mike Thomas said about the uh, the splits. I don't even have the exact quote in front of me. I mean, again, I, these are things he gets asked about essentially every single week. And Tomlin's always kind of said, you know, we like both guys and you know, both guys can can have a role. So uh, in terms of the splits, I, I think it's going to be basically what it has been. There's going to be some game circumstance and ebb and flow to it to the question about, you know, Jalen Warren. Can he be the full time guy? It's hard to say. Probably not. I mean, he's you know, undersized in terms of being short, but he's not small. He's physical, but I think he's such a physical guy that, I mean, he, he just, it's a car crash every single time. Even right. if it's a sideline play, the dude's putting his head down, you know, getting fine, whatever. But when I mean, he's seeking out contact, which you love the guy for, but you do wonder if that's sustainable over, you know, 20, 30 carries in the game over a season. So I like Warren's role. I've said it all along. I like Warren's role where it is to be that guy that comes off. He's fresh. You know, he's an energy bringer. He runs hard. He's, he's explosive. So I'm happy with how the split looks right now. Instead of a thunder and lightning, you have a thunder and a thunder with lightning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. That, that's perfect. Uh, uh, kind of duo there. Look, if something were to happen with Najee where he missed time, God forbid, or something, I think you'd see some sort of compliment to Warren as to not wear him down, even though most of the snaps would you know, predominantly would probably go to Warren. Long story short, I don't think that you throw Warren out there for 100% of the snaps. You know, sure. Sure. Uh, I think he there would be some sort of compliment uh, uh, within there. You know, it depends on who's on who's on the roster at the time. Obviously you got a lot of running backs on the roster uh, 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 right now. We'll see how that changes here uh, at, at some point. Maybe Warren becomes your thunder and, and, and McFarlane gets in there to try to be a little bit of that, that lightning role. So uh, let's hope that we don't, I, I'm with, I like how they're using them right now, especially coming off this game against Tennessee. And if it's dictated by down and, and, and field position and flow of the game, then 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 so be it. Sign me up for whatever we saw. If you mm -hmm. can duplicate, if you had the choice to duplicate exactly what you saw against the Tennessee Titans, I think you'd do it. Oh, yeah, all day. It was a really good rushing attack. The line blocked well, more gap schemes. I was happy to see that. Um, RPOs, I think, gave Kenny Pickett some options. It helped the Tennessee play a ton of too high in that game. Maybe not going to see that always from, from other teams, but yeah, a really good outing. Uh, Bryce wants to know, can we pl please put the George Pickens social media stuff to rest? Uh, no, because it, it's a talking point. Mike Tomlin talked about it. That's why we talked about it. Uh, the way we'll talk about it moving forward is if George Pickens gives us any social media stuff to talk about. Uh, yeah, I mean, th there's always lines, you know, whenever he did the initial free me caption, I was like, eh, I'm not going to We try to read into uh, one guy's post and that can be a dangerous rope. Whenever the guy is, you know, removing stuff from his social media, that gets into okay. You have to really acknowledge and pay attention because something is happening there. Just don't listen to the show if you think we might talk about George Pickens and social media stuff. Uh, probably the best way around that. He says Chooks getting benched is more of a distraction that could have hurt the team. That's actually affecting things on the field. Uh, George on social is really nothing. He says. 
Well, with a core four, I don't view it as a distraction necessarily. I want to know what the guy said, though. He had to say something pretty bad for, for this to all transpire. I don't know. It had to have been a critique of Tomlin or somebody. It had to have been a direct shot at a player or a coach, right? I would think so. And this morning, he evidently said, if I knew it was going to happen, I wouldn't have said or done what I did. But like I said, it isn't much I can do. I'm just going to have to go uh, uh, go on day to day. So, I mean, I and look, Mike Tomlin said definitively what <laughs> what Okorafor said got him sat down. And now that, he, you know, the you've had Roger Jones, he, you know, it's. There is no clear path to a core for getting back on the field. Now, to what level of distraction? It would help to know what level of distraction that it was by by what he said. Obviously, it was something. Obviously, it was something serious enough to get him sat down. So, uh, is that more of a distraction that could have hurt the team? Uh, to I, I see where Bryce is going here. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to have to be talking about that stuff, but and we pro- we would be talking probably more about that stuff a if we knew what he said and b if the George Pickens stuff didn't surface. Sure, um, and I mean, but I think also people are like, okay, well, Broderick, Broderick Jones is starting. We wanted Broderick, Broderick Jones to start, so it's not like like if, if Broderick Jones had said something and got sacked, that would be a bigger story because people I think are more interested in Broderick Jones than they are Chukwuma Core for rightly or wrongly. That's just kind of how things are, and star receivers that are upset are is more of a story than you know average offensive tackles being upset or saying something wrong or whatever the case was. So. I don't really view it as an actual distraction, but I would love to know what the backstory uh, there is. Yeah, look, folks, we you know we talk about the topical stuff, and you know the, we we are not going to appeal to everybody uh, as a listenership overall. We're not going to appeal to what listeners we have on a one hundred percent on a on a episode to episode basis. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's, I, I came to accept that a long time ago that, you know, some of the things we talk about or opinions that we have are not going to fly. Uh, and sometimes yeah, we just think for the what way we try to uh, cover it as objectively and honest as possible, it will get listened to. And it's what we enjoy doing. So, I mean, there, there are going to be some times where people say, why do you guys always talk about this? And people are going to shut it off. And then at other times, people are going to be nodding their head with, with things that we say uh, on it. So it's it's just it's just part of this reality <laughs> reality show that we do, right? Sure. And I mean, people I'm, not know- gonna, I'm not going to apologize for us talking about pickings today. No, nor should we. I mean, it's a, it's a story. It, Tomlin was asked about it. We want to get our reaction to what Tomlin's thoughts were. Uh, people know us. We love talking, Dave, you and I, about football more than anything. We more understand. than anything. I, I Yeah. And, and, you know, late, who knows down the line? Maybe we'll do, may, maybe at some point in years down the road, Alex and I do nothing but, but talk X's and O's. You know, right. I mean, but, that's what gets us up in the morning, but we recognize it's a long season and there's times we talk about that and times where we talk about other stuff. So that's just, you know, how the sports cycle works. 
Uh, Chris Cordova writes in, hey, good assessment of Pickett on Monday. One question. Do you think Tomlin's conservative approach in preaching not to turn the ball over has made Pickett hesitant to throw those balls he should rip, as Dave says, in fear of mistake or turnover? Uh, basically, they have made him into a boring uh, game manager that will be hard to break later on. Or also regarding Pickett's, he was jawing with Titans and Kenny had to push him towards the huddle and he ran off the field after the DJ, uh, Deontay TD, this all leads back to Dave's comment in the Rams game when they didn't even sit uh, sit him down or pull him out of the game for, for one play. Tomlin is allowing this behavior, uh, and it's emboldening in him to continue. Plus, regardless of how bad any of this is, it's bringing negative attention to team and, and, and the locker room. And that's the last thing you need with all the issues this team is working through. All see, yeah, you're going to have people on the other side of the fence like this saying, yeah, this, this, this is a, a pebble that, that needs, needs attention. It, it look, this is opinions are made or what make the world go around, you know? Uh, uh, with this, uh, well, I don't want to hit any more on 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 the picking stuff in this show, other than to read the comment here. What do you think about about uh, him and 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 Tomlin preaching? Don't turn the ball over, as to maybe some reason. Some sometimes Kenny Pickett not turning some of these things loose. Why have him in the playbook if you're not going to have the ability to potentially rip it? You know. Yeah, I think there's there's a a kernel of truth to that. I think that Pittsburgh knows they have no margin for error and they can't afford turnovers. That's been proven by how they've won and how they've lost games. And so it's not explicitly said of like, don't make this throw on this play call, but the preaching is always, we got to take care of the football guys, you know, a sack's better than a turnover, a punt's better than a turnover. We can accept that. we got a great defense. We can make plays and let those guys set us up the score. So yeah, I think subconsciously there may be an aspect to that. Um, you know, but, but there's still moments where, you know, when Pickett's trying to hit Pickens on a crosser on third down, just got to hit that. Same with Allen Robinson in the end zone. Same on the other misses that he's had. That's not anything to do with the uh, conservative nature of this offense. And it's one thing if we hadn't seen Pickett make some of these tight window throws already. Yeah, he's capable of it. Sure. Right. Now, it, it, I'm sure Mike Tomlin more than once says we can't turn the football over during a meeting. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is a and that's probably from Coach Sullivan. Remember Sullivan during the buy said Pickett's getting a little too greedy, greedy. And we were both like, is he really getting greedy? He feels like maybe he should be more greedy. But that's like like how conservative this offense wants and feels like they need to be to just not turn the ball over. And if they do that, when they don't turn the ball over, they win. What's the record in the last two years when they don't turn the ball over? It's like 10 and one, whatever the case is. I know that most teams have good numbers when they don't turn the ball over. But Pittsburgh, I think, did that post last week has the best record when they take care of the football completely. And so that is their model of winning, and they will do everything they can to ensure that model works, and that does, to large extents, create a conservative offense. The way this team is built and running right now and and, and offensive schematics and all like that, they, you know, they can't afford to turn the football over. Right, exactly. And you saw Trubisky when he comes off the bench. He tries to force a throw, look for the big play, turn the ball over. You know, it's a big, it's a reason why they lost that game. And you sit there and say, "Man, Mitch, you cannot make that throw. Check it down." That is the total framework of this this team: play field position, run the ball effectively, finish off drives, let your defense do its thing. 
And if we call and look, I, I still think there's times where we're picket needs to try to push the football down the field a little bit more, but if he starts doing that and he throws an interception, uh, people are going to come back and say, see, Dave, you wanted him to throw the football down the field and, and look, cause it's all going to be results based <laughs> biased. Uh, mm-hmm. when, when you boil it down to the core, look, they need still more explosive plays and, and they need their share of them to come through the passing game with the ball being thrown more, more than 10 yards down the field. However, that looks like, uh, I do think they need to attack the middle of the field more, uh, overall, but whatever the way they've in the, the, the passing game needs to produce more explosive plays thrown downfield. Yeah, it's it's this balance between needing that, but also when you do that, you of course expose yourself to potential turnovers. So how do you balance those things? It's a tricky line for this team, this offense to walk. Richard Jameson writes in, uh, why do you think the Steelers chose to keep Godwin Igwebukwe on the roster when they activated Anthony McFarland? That's a million dollar question right now, Richard. And uh, my best answer to that would be kind of stay tuned right now. For one, uh, for one, you've got activations in play. Do they have anybody that's really need? Do they need that roster spot from a game day active standpoint at this moment? No. Because you still, if you don't, if you don't activate, elevate anybody from the practice squad, you need five inactives for a game. All right. So, and one of those is going to be Mason Rudolph as listed as the third quarterback. You still need four other players. So unless you can't, assuming they don't dress one of the running backs with, with having both the Iguabuque and McFarland on the roster, one of those guys is going to be inactive. The only way that, that the, the roster spot becomes more relevant is, is there somebody you can put on the roster instead of, let's say an Iguabuque that would deem getting a helmet? Sure. My answer to the question is because they could, because Holcomb was hurt and that was an easy one-to-one spot. And if they need to make changes later, they can make changes later, but they didn't have to in that moment. So they'll deal with tomorrow's problems tomorrow. Maybe Saturday a move happens that's potentially on the table. But in that moment, McFarland was had to be activated that day. That was his the window was closing after that day, so they had to make a decision. Holcomb was hurt. That's just an easy way to handle that that moment in that moment. I'm showing my age here, but Wimpy from from Popeye, I would gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger mm-hmm. today. Uh, they are they'll they'll wait until proverbial proverbial Tuesday to pay for the hamburger today. Uh, look, will 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 Godwin Iguabuque and and Anthony McFarland both stay on? The 53 for the remainder of the season. Well, that's a tough one. You don't know what's going to happen injury wise to, to, to your other running backs. I think at its core right now, if you were to make a bet, both of these guys won't stay on the 53 for the remainder of the season. Yes. I would say that is doubtful to occur. All right. Uh, and look, I mean, might, might not even make it past Saturday. We'll have to see what kind of elevations or, 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 or whatnot. At this point, and with the, the seeming health of the team looking like we think it looks like right now, there's a good chance that both McFarland and Eagle Buque are on the 53-man roster come Sunday against the Packers, and one of them is inactive. 
Agreed. And McFarland should be the one active, I would assume. I would assume that being the case as well, too. All right. I think we got through most of them here, uh, Alex. And I think we're running up on, what, about an hour here? Yep, just a little over. So we'll be back on Friday and preview the Packers game. How how mad do you think we made the listenership today? <laughs> I don't know. I think I think they're all they should be. They're probably more mad at Mendenhall and other things to to be angry at today. All right, uh, we'll get back after it on Friday, previewing the game against the Packers, going over the coordinators, what they say on Thursday, and the injury reports, and all the normal stuff that we cover on a Friday. Hopefully, we're not talking about. George Pickens, uh, but you know we'll see if he talks to the media uh, these next couple of days and anything he does say, I'm sure we're going to recap, so be prepared uh, for that. So uh, in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter slash X at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, SteedersDepot.com, hit the donate button. Also, if you like an ad free version of the site, SteedersDepot.com, hit the ad free button and follow the directions that way. So until Friday, as always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex. <laughs>